All right, there's been a basketball game, kind of an <laughs> exhibition game. How about still, it? Awesome. Hoops to see are the back. Dome. Fans in there, three pointers up, three pointers in. Free throws were not really made tonight by Syracuse, but <laughs> oh, we'll boy. get into all our thoughts on the game. Plus, our 10 thought today on the show has to do with Barama Sidibe because there was some news from Jeff Goodman that was reported yesterday, confirmed by Jim Beheim. Looks like Barama is injured again, unfortunately. We'll talk about what his role might be on this year's team. Given that news, it's all coming up on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we thank you for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every single weekday. Tim Leonard, Tyler Rocky here with you today, recording late Wednesday night after the first basketball game of the year, the first exhibition game, a big win, 79-60 over pace. I guess we got to start with Cole Swider, Ty. I mean, he kind of stole the show. Your most impactful newcomer. Yep, I think I'm just going to stick my flag in the ground now, call it a season. (laughs) I was right, my most impactful newcomer. No, I mean... Well, let's be honest. With Cole Swire in this game, he was phenomenal, first of all. Um, you see the numbers there. Five of seven from three, but don't you kind of expect that against a team like Pace? You're a six foot nine shooter, okay? You're taller than any other player on the opposing team. You should be able to do stuff like that, right? Shoot over the top of mm-hmm. guys. You're going to have more space. That's not going to happen in the non-con or, or once you get into ACC play. And, and I looked at, I, I crunched some of the numbers here. So, Pace has five guys that stand at six foot seven or bigger. None of them played more than 15 minutes and they combined to play 39 minutes as a whole. So he wasn't tested a lot with size out there. I'm intrigued. What is Swider going to do when he is tested with size out there? And listen, I love Cole. I picked him as my most impactful newcomer. This is a step in the right direction, obviously, but I want to see it when the real games start. Yeah, and on that note of size, just real quick, that's one thing that was kind of, uh, not to start Debbie Downer here, but Pace got 12 offensive rebounds. We had 10 offensive rebounds. Rebounds total 35 or 38 to 35 Syracuse. like to see a little bit more of an edge in that regard. I think Jesse could have had a couple bit more, but we'll get into all of our thoughts on the center position everything a little bit later on because overall I thought Jesse and Frank showed some good stuff in this game. Everyone, for the most part, showed some good stuff, and that's what's going to happen when you play pace. Outside Mm -hmm. of the free throw shooting, which I'm not really all that worried about, turnovers maybe a little bit high. We had 14 turnovers in this game. I thought it was a decent showing, and the defense wasn't like gangbusters or anything, but I wasn't expecting that. Jim Boeheim said postgame, though, he was happy with where the defense is at, which I think says a lot because he's the guy that would really know. And he's the guy that, in a game like this, would be frustrated. He he would point. If it was bad, he would point to it. So I'm only going to take his assessment away because there's only so much that you can gather in an exhibition against Pace, right? So I don't really know how my eyes work. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily know what good defense looks like against Pace. I'd know what bad defense looks like against Pace, but I wouldn't necessarily know what good defense looks like just because – Oh, are, are some of these just you're playing against lower level competition or are some of these really good closeouts on the perimeter? It, it's tough to tell at times. And for him to say is good, that's good enough for me. Right. I will say pace was kind of chucking from deep. I mean, they had some long threes. They didn't make a ton in this game, but it was good that teams are probably going to do that against us this year. Seemed like we adjusted a little bit in that regard. I think they ended up like 10 for 31 from three mm-hmm. in this game, which Not great, not bad. I mean, it's pace, so you're supposed to win this game handedly. That's what we did. Getting back to Swider, though, 
very, very pretty shooting stroke. Like, I'm not the first to yeah. say this. I'm not going to be the last, but it's honestly right up there. You'd think Buddy would have the prettiest shooting stroke you could ever imagine, and Buddy did sprain his ankle in this game. Looks like he's fine. Early indications he's probably going to play Monday. I'm not overly worried about that. But Cole Swider's shooting stroke for a 6'9", dude, I know we were expecting it. It's still awesome to see it in person, or not in person, but see it on an actual TV wearing an actual Syracuse jersey. It's really exciting. And that just makes you excited for how this team is going to space the floor now. I mean, there's size on this team. There's shooting, shooting, shooting. That's what Jeff Goodman tweeted. That, I think it was right. like the Syracuse <laughs> scouting report. One, two, and three were all shooting. And yeah. that's fine. Listen, that's going to lend itself to some fun wins. This team may be a little bit more like that 2017 team that did not make the tournament. But what they do have some shades of that. I thought about that. But what you and I have said time and time again is that if that 2017 was dropped into the modern era of college basketball, which 2017 doesn't feel like too long ago, but a lot I think has changed in terms of the tournament evaluation process. I mean, for for heaven's sakes, there's the net which was not around during that time, and you wonder how Mm -hmm. Syracuse would have fared during the net era rankings. not the actual shooting net, but the right. net ranking. The, the NCAA <laughs> evaluation tool. And right. I think it would have looked pretty kindly upon Syracuse for some of the wins that they picked up. Three top 10 wins that year. And when you have the shooting caliber that that team had and that this team has, you're going to give yourself a chance to win every single game. There aren't any games on this schedule where I say Syracuse has zero chance to win that game. And it's because of what they can bring to the table offensively. Yeah, I mean, there were some. There are some shades of that team. Hopefully, there's not the get blown out by St. John's at right. 30 at home games mm-hmm. that we saw that year. But I do think that's the type of team we're going to get this year. They're going to score 80, 85 sometimes. It's can they make stops? Can they get rebounds? I'm still a little bit worried about this non-conference schedule, and we'll talk about it It'll more as we get closer. But listen, um, they might the- drop a bad non-con game, but they might go out and beat Villanova too. Like, that's just yeah. the way th- a team like this can function. They are going to be given a chance in every single game. They'll shoot themselves into games. There'll be a game where they shoot 60% from three. There'll be a game where they shoot 20% from three. You're going right. to see both ends of the spectrum this year. Yeah, and it's kind of like, I guess it was your senior year, the team that went to the tournament with Elijah Hughes in his first year, lost to Baylor in the first round. Remember that year they beat Ohio State in the non-conference. Like right. They were kind of Jekyll and Heidi in the non-conference. They had yeah. some good wins. They had that win against Duke that year when Elijah hit the long three-quarter mm-hmm. shot. But So, I mean, I guess we're just talking about Syracuse teams of the past three, four years. Like, this is what we should be expecting. I don't think they're going to be a top 25 team all season long. I do – I will say, though, for a team that is putting together some new pieces, it's tough to judge too much from pace, but – I look at a couple things in this game that show that this team's already playing with some chemistry. One is the ball movement. 26 of their 30 made baskets in this game came on assists. Jim Bayon said post game, like, that might be a record. And I, I mean, that's yeah, I mean, up there with I some was of the best I've ever at seen. That's a box score. Full transparency. I didn't watch any of this game. Okay. That, right. that, Tim, Tim is carrying the load here. I didn't watch anything from this game. I don't think I needed to watch a ton from this game. But just looking at the box score top to bottom with the assists, I mean, you see six from Joe, five from Jimmy everyone was pitching in and helping out. Now, part of that does come because you're coming across against a a pace team that probably going to be a little bit slower on their rotations than you'll see in the ACC and in the non-conference slate, but it's still certainly good to see them sharing the sugar. And I want to see more of these high assist efforts because I think 
the way that this team is built and the fact that you have to guard everyone on the perimeter, it's going to be very tough to double against Syracuse this season. Given the amount of shooting that they have, you're going to see, I think, a lot of high assist efforts night in, night out. Yeah, and that's exciting. They've had some good teams recently, ball movement-wise, and I wasn't exactly sure how that was going to happen this year or if it was going to happen. But the thing is, and this has been brought up, but these guys have played together a little bit. Like, Symir Torrance has played with Joe and Buddy, of course. Mm -hmm. Jimmy has definitely played with Buddy. I'm sure Jimmy's played pickup with a lot of the guys. And then they've also been here for a full summer. Joe Girard was on Devo's podcast this week, so I was listening to that. And he said something that kind of didn't really register with me yet, but he was like, yeah, this is actually my first summer I've been like at Syracuse, like my first real summer, because they went to Italy his freshman year. That's now, right. He still got mm -hmm. to play, but a little yeah. bit unique there. And then the COVID stuff last year, like this has been the first time they've gotten in early. They've done all the workouts. And I just feel like this team really does love each other. And that's something that Gerard did say on the podcast as well. Like, I don't know if it was not the case last year, but when he was asked, what's the difference between this year's team and last year? First thing he said was, I think we just all are hard workers and we all get along great, which is a great thing to hear. It's still early, but it's good to hear. Yeah, it, it feels like sometimes when you bring in new players, and this isn't just a Syracuse thing, uh, when you bring in in mass a, a bunch of new players, sometimes it feels like a divide of the been theirs and the, the haven't been theirs. And it yeah. feels like, Cole feels like he's one of the guys already. Benny, I mean, Jimmy has been one of the guys for 20-something years now, it feels like. So all these new guys that are coming in, Samir's from the, the area, like everyone feels like one of the guys. And that's a really right. good thing to have in a locker room that has so many new faces. We're going to talk a little bit more about this exhibition game, some takeaways from Joe Girard, Jesse Edwards' display. Also going to talk about Benny Williams in just a second. But for a few weeks now, we have been talking about sweat block. These wipes that stop sweat for seven days, and it seems people have been listening. We have friends of Locked On who've tried sweat block and love it. We have a story here about a high school teacher. When he'd pit out by fourth period, he'd hear the snickers and whispers from his students. So he started bringing a second shirt to change in between classes. Then he heard about sweat block on our program. He tried it and is now hooked. No more snickers, no more second shirt. That's a high school teacher that is starting to use sweat block. You can have a success story just like that one. Locked on listeners right now, go to sweat block, stop excessive sweat for up to seven days per use. It is doctor created, doctor recommended, dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. Not just for armpits, chest, back, feet, hands, use it anywhere. And I mean anywhere that sweats. If you or someone you care about is dealing with excessive sweat, you have to check out sweat block. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com. Just use our promo code locked on or you can get it at an Amazon or a local CVS. This episode of Locked on Syracuse is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the road team can come to recharge. It's a place you always look forward to stopping on a long road trip to eat to rest your legs and refuel. And Tim, we've done many a road trip together. Yes. And whenever the golden <laughs> arches are around the bend, that is an automatic pull over and stop, hit the drive through. Or sometimes you just got to stretch out the legs and go into the store and order whatever you want, whether it's the McNuggets, the fries, 
the Big Macs, all of the yeah, things fries. that McDonald's so you're has making me hungry. I mean, yeah, so you good. dip the fries in the McFlurry and it's game over. You found yourself oh, a great meal and, and you're never going to you're never going to have your fries and, and McFlurry in a different way ever again. So head on over to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. And hey, did somebody say locked on Syracuse watch party? Whether you're coming home from the game, there's one by Erie Boulevard or wherever you're coming home from watching the game from a restaurant, a bar, whatever. Be sure to stop by McDonald's (laughs) on your way home. And Tim, give me the music, Tim. Give me the music. I'm not as good as you, but that's I'll I'll work on it. I'll work on it. I love McDonald's. You're making me hungry over here. I candidly just my eating schedule is not great today with the game and everything, but all right. So we talked about your most impactful newcomer. Now time to talk about mine that I picked at least. And that is Benny Williams, seven points, three for eight from the floor in this game, nine rebounds, which leads the team. I think the good was, and it's what we expected, just super athletic, made some really creative, instinctive plays, actually made some nice passes, was one play in the first half that really stood out, did a spin move, a little drop off to Jimmy Beheim, and it was like, whoa, like this guy's a talent. That's a play that NBA scouts are definitely interested in. The bad, he struggled from the free throw line, one for four, and the reason why Syracuse struggled from the free throw line is a lot of their good free throw shooters just didn't get to the line. I looked, Joe, Buddy, and Cole combined for just two free throw attempts, all of Mm -hmm. them from Joe. Buddy missed some of the game, of course, and I just don't think that we really had necessarily our best free throw shooters at the line. So again, not really worried about that, but Benny's shot and a lot of people have been talking about this, did look a little bit flat. Jim Beheim brought it up post-game as well. Yeah. I would say it wasn't like an, oh my gosh, Benny Williams coming out party type of game, but we saw why he is a borderline five-star recruit. Right, and you bring up the flat shot there. That's something that gets better with time. Like I remember Tyus Battle when his shot first started at Syracuse. It was flat. Uh, a lot of these players have sort of had that that line drive sort of shot, and you see it develop where you get to the point where it's Elijah Hughes and every shot that comes out of his hand is one of those moon balls. And it's not the right. worst thing in the world to have a flat shot. That's a pretty easy fix, especially when you got a guy like GMAC on your staff to help you work with that, sure. too. I mean, literally, you've got so many guys on this team, whether it's players or coaches, that if shooting is your bugaboo, if shooting something that you're, is your next step in development, this is the team I want to be on. You've got yeah. resources across the board. Cole, Buddy, and... and the nice thing, too, with having Cole and Buddy is that Benny's one of those bigger guys, one of those forwards, right? Shooting over the top of guys is something that Buddy and Cole have made their dough with, and that's a skill that you translate that, that down to Buddy, and this team can be really, really dangerous. Yeah, and Benny played 26 minutes. The bench minutes, by the way, Benny 26, Simon Torrance 21, Frank Anselm 17. Benny didn't start. I think we both predicted, if I remember correctly, that Jimmy would start. Yeah. That was kind of the toss-up in the starting lineup. I. Jimmy played well in this game. We haven't talked about him, but he had 19 points, played 31 minutes. And I think it's just going to be, they'll probably start Jimmy. Benny will still play a good chunk of time here. And Beheim said at postgame, he said he's going to be really good. It's just going to take some patience. And I think that's exactly how I feel after watching this limited sample size. There was definitely some nerves. And I think just the free throw shooting, like one for four from the line, that speaks to maybe some nerves. First time in the dome makes sense. But the nine rebounds is really exciting. Yeah, that's the one thing that I pointed to when I saw the box score here because they're going to need improved rebounding. You lost a lot of athleticism and rebounding from this team from a year ago with Quincy, 
and with Alan Griffin, two of your most athletic players on the team, and you replenish with a guy like Benny, he's going to have to rebound above his size. What is he, 6'7", six, 6'8"? Six, he's going to have to yeah. rebound sort of like he's 6'10 this season just because you have lost some rebounding to your, to your roster. Uh, so there was some good uh, two-man game stuff between Joe Girard, Jesse Edwards. We can touch on that a little bit. Jesse, six for seven from the floor, 12 points, which is actually the most he's ever scored in a Syracuse game. I guess it won't officially go down the record books as a career high, but he caught a couple passes, kept the ball up high, dunked it. There were a couple times that Frank, I thought, caught it and didn't go up as strong as I would have liked to have seen. I would say... Again, limited sample size pace, but from what I saw tonight, Jesse 21 minutes, Frank 17. I think Jesse is a little bit ahead of Frank still on both ends of the court, but Frank played pretty well as well. And the center development, that's just what you want to see, right? I mean, coming into this game, if I told you Jesse's going to score 12 points, I think that was probably ahead of what your expectations would yeah, be probably. for him. In 21 minutes, he's going to score 12 points. I think you take Six that as a positive seven, that's step. great. Yeah, I yeah. think you take that as a positive step, whether it's pace or whether it's Villanova. I think you would see that as progress with him because, listen, th this game happens last year. I don't think Jesse Edwards is scoring 12 points. I don't know if Jesse Edwards is scoring two points against pace right. last season. Yeah. So to see any sort of offensive progress is a good thing with this team at the center position. And quickly on Joe Girard, six assists, three turnovers in this game. I actually think his box score isn't even really that kind to him when you look into it. He didn't score a ton. He doesn't seem like he's looking to shoot that much this year. And I would say we talked about him and will he bounce back. I just think he's going to play this point guard role most of the year. Yeah. After seeing mm -hmm. him in this game, like I don't even know if he's going to score in double figures. He scored, what, 12 and a half as a freshman. He was a little bit less than that last year. I think he'll be right around the same points per game-wise, but he's playing better. And I liked what I saw from Saimir. He didn't really shoot it well. He was 0 for 4. But Joe really had some nice passes in this game. He just looked at more control. So if he's going to be just a true point guard this year, I'm cool with that. And I think he's realizing that should be his role on this year's team. And this team needs that, too. I mean, remember what Kadari was. Kadari wasn't going to light up the stat sheet last year in terms right. of points. He was going to play that true point guard role and play good defense on the other end. That's what this team needs Joe to do. You've got scores across the board. Scoring should be third on the list of priorities for Joe Girard this year. I think you got to put defense and, and facilitating one and two in some sort of order. They can be interchangeable. They're more of a 1A, 1B, actually, in right, my mind, yeah. now that I talk it through it a little bit. But again, this is kind of what I said on the last show when, or when we were talking about Girard. It was, I want to see Joe Girard go out there and just play point guard. I don't care as much about the counting statistics. I want to see your turnovers down. I want to see your assist rate up. And I want to just see more efficient shooting. I think the efficient shooting will come a little bit more frequently once we see uh, a real competition out there and there's more attention drawn to guys like Buddy and Cole and Benny. But for right now, I think this was a positive step. Now, I do want to say, you, you brought up the free throws a little bit earlier. I think this yeah. needs to sort of be brought up because you did say that not a lot of the good free throw shooters got to the line, which is true. Right. However, it doesn't matter if you're playing the Golden State Warriors or the Liverpool Warriors. Free throw <laughs> shooting translates. And for this to happen in this game, I still would like to see a little bit better of a number there than what yeah, they shoot, 30-something 30 percent? Yeah, I, that's abysmal. Yeah. That, High school teams do better than that. And right. the competition doesn't matter. 
And it's not like you're playing a ton of minutes in this game either. You should be pretty well rested. So yeah. that was a little frustrating to me. But the one thing that I'll say is that if there's one thing that this team has really developed over the course of their uh, uh, with this coaching staff, mm-hmm. free throw shooters. I mean, remember when Pascal Chuku, you were praying right. to get one? Remember Marek Dolja, you were praying to get one? I think Pascal ended his final season somewhere in the 70% range. And yeah, Marek was stretch. automatic yeah. last year. Marek was automatic. Yeah. I, I, there was no one that I was more confident in going to the line than Marek and Buddy last year. Like, they were in the same conversation in terms of if there was a technical, that's who I want going to the line. One of those two. Right. I would feel fine with either of <laughs> them It didn't look going. as pretty. Marek still kind of no, shoved it in sort of but it low, went like in. we are talking about. Yeah, It went in, and that's all that matters on the free throws. So hopefully, right. whether it's Griff, whether it's GMAC, they work on the free throw shooting with these guys because if you're 8 of 21 in games the, yeah, in the terrible. ACC, you're not going to win. You're not going to win it's ACC really games really odd like that. that that happened tonight because – like we talked about Jeff Goodman tweeted shooting, shooting, shooting. That's our strengths. Everyone knows that. And then for whatever reason, it just didn't translate to the free throw yeah. line. We shot it pretty well from three. We're 42% from three in this game hit 11 threes, but yeah, the free throw shooting, not great. All right. We're going to get into our 10 thought and just our 10 thoughts in just a little bit. Next up in that series is Barama Sidibe today. We're going to react to that news. What can we expect from him this season after hearing about his knee procedure? But first, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models out there, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why ends are often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers. With access to rockauto.com at your home and in your pocket, Save time and money when using Rock Auto right now. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could ever need. Super easy to use. I have used it several times. You can go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Just go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box, and they know that we sent you. Again, put locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? And they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. BetOnline.ag is back and better than ever. They've got a new web interface for the start of basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. It remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head on over to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON. That's LOCKEDON, all one word, to receive your 50% welcome bonus. From basketball to football, baseball's playoffs, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, so every single day on the podcast, we are doing one 10 thought, one burning question, one burning topic as we head into Syracuse basketball season today. In light of the Barama news, it is the question of where does Barama fit into this picture? And we were already sort of having this big question. I tweeted out something earlier in the week about the rotation, and I just sort of didn't even leave Barama minutes because it was already hinting at maybe he was dealing with some knee stuff again. 
it comes out officially that he did have a procedure, which you just feel for the guy. I mean, how many procedures right. and surgeries has he had? Apparently, how many times has he played knee? through pain too? Yeah, I just and the weird thing is Jim Beheim said that he had one of his best practices the other day, and it looked like he was trending in the right direction. Then all of a sudden, they were like, "Now nah, we got to do the procedure on the other knee." Beheim says that they're confident that it's four, maybe outside chance five weeks, and then he's back. I just am going to, when I see it, I'll believe it. I mean, I just don't really know if we're going to see much from Barama this year, unfortunately. It's just, I feel for the guy because it seems like he just can't stay healthy. It's a depth piece at this point. I mean, you're hoping everything is healthy enough to get to that point where he's back. And really, I mean, he hasn't brought a lot of dependability over the course of his career. And it's not necessarily his fault. It's just no one on this team has been bitten by the injury bug. And I mean, look look back how many years now, how many guys have been bitten by the injury bug to the degree that he has. I mean, it's shades of Daywan Coleman, a guy who started so many games. It is. And listen, he didn't have nearly the hype of Daywan. Daywan was a McDonald's All-American hometown guy. So there's a little bit of a different career arc there, but I mean, in terms of when he got to Syracuse and the role that he developed and you saw the flashes, it felt like every single time when he was playing Pitt, he was phenomenal and putting together double-doubles. And kind of like you said, you brought up Jim Beheim said he's coming off one of his best practices, and now he's got to deal with this injury. Yeah. Right at the end of that COVID season, he was putting together his best basketball, then COVID strikes, and then he gets the knee injury in game number one the next season and is essentially shut down for the rest of the year. He starts to build up this momentum, and then there's some sort of screeching halt that unfortunately gets in his way. Yeah, and you feel for him because by all accounts, he's a great kid. He's one of the best students on the team. I mean, you hear just glowing reviews about everything about him off the court. And when he is on the court, and last time we really actually saw him, he was starting to kind of put it together finally. And there was that little light at the end of the tunnel. It's been so long at this point. Right. Yeah. It's been so it, it long like, since you've really seen I mean, that was him play a complete COVID. game. Like, yeah, think about how, exactly. Like, think COVID about how long the last like two years ago. have been. Exactly. Yeah. And we haven't seen him on the so, floor since then. Now, yeah, I do think I mean, that, and you and I have, have kind of hit on this before, but to, to say his absence is like season altering, I think is blowing no. things out of proportion. People were saying that last year, people are saying it, I don't think people are saying it as much this year, but I'm sure it's on the minds of some Syracuse fans. Listen, I think some people on, on Twitter mount him up like he's Tim Duncan or or something like that. He's not. Right. Okay. He's a guy who most seasons has averaged, what, under five points per game and under five rebounds per game. So Maybe a little higher than wise, that, but yeah. <laughs> but, but like production-wise, it's not like you're losing out on an all-ACC player here. I'm pretty confident in the guys that they're going to have coming back in. And when he does come back, which by all accounts, it seems like he will, but I'm with you. I'll believe it when I see it. Cause that's the game we've we're unfortunately having to play with Brahma year in and year out. I I'll say this. I don't think he's ever starting at center this year. I'd be pretty surprised. And Mm -hmm. that also gets into would I rather have a healthy Brahma Sidibe or a healthy Jesse Edwards as my starter. I think it's actually pretty close at this stage of Jesse's career now. Now but in four to five weeks, I think that answer is going to be pretty clear. Whether it's a healthy Jesse or or a healthy Frank versus a a healthy Brahma. I think it's going to be pretty clear. I'll say this though. 
thank God Frank came back because I mean oh, that was I, not looking yeah. crystal clear at, at any. Like, That's a great. There point. was a point where we were literally discussing. All right, like this is our week of pod content, and yeah, Frank might transfer. Like whenever that comes out, we'll talk about. I him. mean, because it's Instagram live. Remember the yeah, Instagram live? Right. That felt like the meeting of the minds of the departures, and and luckily Frank stayed because without him, I mean, Jimmy it, did play Jesse, some five in this game, which was interesting. But yeah, you don't want that. You you would like to no. have two real centers and i think they do have that which is more than yeah. they can say mm-hmm. in some other years i mean we don't have to put Marek back there or something that not really is fit for the position those yeah. two guys frank came in like the press was on he made some nice plays in the corner there i'm still a little hesitant about his offense i was a little underwhelmed honestly with his offense but i'll, I'll give him some more yeah, it's time. one game it's like his first minutes. time yeah. yeah it's his first time seeing the floor since what probably in close to a year now probably about 11 months or so since he's really seen right game action so i'm not gonna again i i I wasn't gonna get on the cases of guys like frank or jimmy even though jimmy did shine in this game because they haven't really seen the floor in so long yeah and also four weeks for barama i mean we're talking all of our i guess that's kind of in the georgetown stretch maybe he could come back but a lot of those big games like we're not going to see him at battle for atlantis i think we can say i mean yeah. i guess that would be right around four weeks but i just don't see but it. is I that think... where you want to throw him in that's another right. thing too especially like you get down to some of those ballrooms and stuff like that do you really want to throw him in I, i'd rather put him in for a home game like yeah. a home cupcake and i don't know if you're going to have that opportunity Right. I mean, that would be exactly four weeks, pretty much a little bit more than four weeks would be that stretch of three games starting on uh, Thanksgiving, which I think is the 20 or maybe it starts actually four weeks from today on the 24th. So, yeah, it's it's just not unless we're we're being told four weeks now. What what have we noticed with Brahma's timelines? They're always longer. They're always longer. I mean, we thought four weeks last year and then you saw him for Virginia Tech, which was, I think, like six weeks later. And then he never saw the floor again after that. It's right. unfortunate and, what's happened to him. But and Beheim, the reality is it's not reliable at this point. Yeah. Post-game, Beheim even kind of left the door open to the fact that he was like, look, you never really know. We're confident, but it could be more than four weeks, maybe five weeks. On the, I just think it's it's probably six weeks or something. I don't see him at the Battle for Atlantis tournament playing. And if he is, he's probably playing, what, 10 minutes? Like I, Again, I don't think he's ever the starting that, center of this I team mean, this year. Yeah. So. I feel bad for him. I wish him all the best. Maybe he proves us wrong here, but I still am confident in the center situation after what I saw from Jesse and Frank in this first exhibition game. So anyway, that's going to wrap up our Thursday podcast tomorrow on the show. I'm sure we will do another 10 thought. Well, you got anything in mind? Let's get into Jimmy Bayheim's role. He's splashed. Oh yeah. And yeah. what's it going to look like? Because he was the first guy in the starting lineup. He got the nod over Benny Williams. What does Jimmy Bayheim's role look like this season? And what's his ceiling going to look like for this upcoming season? Again, yeah. this is his last year of college basketball. So he's got to go out with a bang. And he's choosing to do it with dad and brother. Yep. So that's a pretty significant leap to take. Yeah, he played with a lot of energy. We didn't really give him a lot of credit in this podcast, but he looked pretty good. We'll talk about him more tomorrow, though. And then we will get into Boston College and preview that game for football fans, DeBundo's Digits Prop Shop, our picks against the spread from betonline.ag, all that fun stuff on tomorrow's show. We'll get you guys ready for the Saturday game, 3.30. And we got another Monday basketball game, which will 
be recapping early next week as well. So a great time to subscribe to the pod, which is totally free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also, subscribe to the show on YouTube. Check out Locked On ACC as you get ready for the weekend slate of college football as well as your second listen today. And we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.